Brucker and Orlean invite you to experience autopsy of a horror movie. Today on the podcast, we are discussing the 2022 horror thriller that is The Menu. Hello, Orlean. Thank you so much for joining me tonight to discuss the menu. How are you doing? I am so excited to talk about this weird fucking movie. (laughs) Yes, I am thrilled to be talking about this. This has been one of the most thought-provoking movies that I've watched in a very long time. Like I still have been just, this movie's just been marinating in my brain ever since I've watched it. I know. You've been texting me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been texting you. I've been texting my buddy Nate. I've been just, I've been, I've been badgering my wife with ideas about this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) let's go ahead and get into the menu from 2022. This movie was directed by Mark Malloyd and written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. What I find interesting about the people making this is that the people that made this came from TV. Like they didn't really Mm. come from the cloth of like Hollywood, big budgeted movies or anything like that. These were people that uh, Mark Malloyd, he had directed episodes of Game of Thrones and Succession. Uh, Seth Reese had both Seth Reese and Will Tracy also has Succession writing credits, but they had also done a lot of like late night. um, I forget what they're kind of called, but like kind of late night TV, like a late night with Seth Meyers and last week with John Oliver and also like shows. Yeah, the talk shows, thank you. And writing for The Onion as well. Oh. So, okay. you know, kind of like these very, you know, where like they have to be very snarky in the types of jokes that they make and very meta sometimes, very topical, very much like we're picking this group of people and we're going to make fun of you in a smart way, kind of. But also um, kind of in a safe way. They kind never of. get too like hateful or mean. You know? Right. Well, in our liberal bubble, it's fine. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I feel, I feel like to some, to some conservatives, they're just like highly offended by like some stuff Look, that they say it, or do. When the Onion came out, people took it seriously. I don't know if you remember that from the internet time. That yeah. was hilarious. There was a whole blog devoted to dunking on people who took the Onion seriously. So I never developed a muscle for anyone taking it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I remember in college, we read an article from The Onion. I think our professor like hid w- what the source was and just had us read it just for our peer reaction. It was that NASA had found the Ark of the Covenant and it was on oh Mars. And we were like, what on earth is this? <laughs> and for like 20 minutes, we just had like this discourse in class and then uh, she revealed that like this was an article from the onion this is and it was the whole the whole message is like this is why referencing is very important <laughs> i was gonna say did you all just good faith debate it for 20 minutes no one yeah, was like kind of. this isn't true yeah like we're like, like like going back and forth like how could this be possible and everything <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so that's kind of where the creators of the menu are coming from. Just kind of like cloth of that. Um, so, Orlean, you had this in our top five horror movie discussion. Uh, what about the menu drew you to like want to see it first? What I know you kind of talked about it in there, but like mm-hmm. kind of you know, reiterate what what all did you like about it or like enough to want to revisit it for this episode? 
Yeah, great question. And I was surprised I was the only one with it in my top five, I'll be honest, especially because I feel like it was getting getting a lot of tweets and it was getting a lot of mentions. And usually I don't watch those things at all because I I like the initial excitement to pass and see if people still talk about it as something good. Mm-hmm. But but there was so much from last year that I hadn't watched and we were going to do our episode. And so I just started like renting and streaming as many horror movies as I could grab so that I could start like figuring out what I liked from last year because I don't see enough movies like I, I don't see them quickly enough. Um, so I rented Nope first and I lasted three minutes. So sad. <laughs> I'm not going to rehash it. We've already done it, but so sad. So then I rented the menu. I paid money for these. Um, So then I rented the menu and I was like, well, maybe this one. And I made it past the first three minutes and it really hooked me. And I didn't know where it was going. I had a ton of ideas, which I love that about a movie. When you start out with something simple and you're like, oh, it could go here and it could go here and it could go here. And then they kept building up the characters as like mostly horrible people, which I also kind of enjoy right yeah there's definitely an element to it of like just desserts to use a a food phrase right (laughs) um i don't know i it it kind of plays on the idea of the haunted house trope where like you just have this group of people together on an island in this room having this dinner you don't know who they all are. You don't know if they know each other. You don't really know like why they're here. What do they care about? And then you just watch the night play out. I really liked that. Um, it's also a little bit like Clue in that kind of like we just have this group that we have to learn and get to know and and figure out what's going to happen to them. And then things got really, really like a horror movie. And I was like, oh, I'm intrigued by where they can take this idea of food and service and horror. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. yeah, like you said, it's so thought-provoking. At the end, I was like, what? I liked that. I didn't like that. What was that? Where could that have gone? They could have done this differently. <laughs> it, it, I agree with everything you say. Um, it's, I, I, I was like pretty like hooked, like right, I just I got so sucked into the movie like very early on kind of like you said yeah the opening is it's I love how it kind of you're kind of like thrown right into the mix of things almost yeah there's not very much exposition you're just like getting onto a boat right yeah and uh, uh Anya Taylor Joy's character is kind of like the voyeur for the audience too you know we're kind of like experience this world that she's unfamiliar with so we're kind of learning with her which is like always very fun to do with the characters and uh, kind of like you said, it's kind of like Clue or like a haunted house kind of vibe sort of thing. Like people are invited. Um, it's probably because I had just finished rewatching or not rewatching, rereading. And then there were none. Oh. But I was just like, oh, this is this screams like Chris, like Agatha Christie vibes. Mm-hmm. Like all of it does, you know, being invited to a dinner, literally a dinner party not necessarily in your honor, but you're not exactly sure why. But like an exclusive dinner party, which mm-hmm. really plays into it. You have to take by boat and you're on this island and like you are trying to figure out what is going on the whole time. Um, it was, I, so I just like really got sucked into it super early on. And I was just like feeling all the Christy vibes from this, which I loved. And the, on top of all of this, 
the the music is also very good like the score is kind of it's kind of like elegant and it's, it kind of sounds like something that you might hear in a restaurant like this there's kind of like background music maybe um right it wasn't it was present but it wasn't distracting mm-hmm. and it wasn't like it, it wasn't like tone setting for like a horror movie either mm-hmm. it was very much it was still kind of like whimsical and like we're going on an adventure on this boat and we're, you know, we're going to go to this island and see what's there, you know, <laughs> like there's still so much hope uh, that it's setting. Um, it's 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 just magnificent. It's so good. Um, yeah. I mean, it's setting up for you are going to have an extraordinary night. You 12 special people are going to have a meal that no one else will ever have. And it's like you said, like it really sets it up. And I love how uh, like thematic, like the the opening credits and all this is because like the movie even opens up with, uh, I think, believe like the production company saying like spotlight or whatever, like invites you to the menu. Yeah, I really it's, like that. I, I like that. I like it when when, uh, when they kind of play around with their own video logos. Um, and I think like one quick thing I wanted to mention before we get further along to the plot was that because. You know, you talked about how you watched it and you were surprised that like uh, Ellie and I hadn't gotten into it yet. Yeah. And you were talking about you know how much people were talking about this on Twitter. So the menu was one of the most watched movies of the year 2022. Um, this actually dethroned Glass Onion as being the most watched uh, mo- uh, streaming movie ever. Um, and no and way. In just the month of January alone. Uh, over 250,000 people logged this on Letterbox. I mean, this is one month. Wow. I mean, it's, it was a very, very, very popular movie. I I can't believe I watched it before you. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure it was on my list. Like, <laughs> I was not lying when I said that was the next thing on my list to watch. <laughs> but I got to it before you and I put it on my list. It's because I was watching Clue. Yes. But, <laughs> um, and I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I watched it the first time I watched it. It was in the morning. I actually did a morning viewing of this, which was honestly a very nice way to. St- That's a thing you do. I've noticed. I like watching movies. In you the like morning. to wake up with horror. I do. Well, certain horror. Like this one is like perfect because it's like you're first surrounded in this movie with like, you know, very extravagant things. You know, you're on like this, this yacht with hors d'oeuvres going to this island mm-hmm. and like you're just touring this beautiful island and like this very luxurious thing is like oh this is fantastic and the movie doesn't have to deal with cannibalism either which i was surprised about me too i could have sworn actually i was explaining it to a friend and she was like it's they don't eat the people and i was like no but it's kind of a huge fake out honestly because that's automatically what you think that this movie is going to be i know but they never said it (laughs) we all just inferred it because we were like oh the menu and that person's right they're gonna eat the people yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but i'm very thankful it didn't go there and just for the record Me it's too. just things like this like this sleepaway camp maybe a friday the 13th movie you know those are like great morning viewings things like texas chainsaw you gotta save those for the evening <laughs> cannot start your day okay with that. <laughs> i would never <laughs> i would literally never <laughs> yeah but um and now, but something that I'm struggling with, and I know I kept saying that this movie is like, it's a very good movie. It's very thought provoking. It's very well thought out. Uh, they even had a chef consultant on set. Uh, they had a uh, chef, Dominique Crenn was the, 
chef oh, consultant okay. on this. She is um, she is the only woman uh, or f- the only female chef in the world to have three Michelin, Michelin stars. And she Ooh. was the first female chef to get two. Um, so she... You can also say woman. That's okay. I got corrected for saying that earlier. So like I was... Really? Because I feel like female is so odd. I feel like female is like a little bit more aggressive, but yeah. So right, it seems weird. Yeah. So okay. Anyway. It, yeah. Any, I I went back and <laughs> forth. Other people were upset. Okay. Anyways, it was okay. <laughs> a a, a non man chef, and okay. Yes. <laughs> and um, she designed the she like literally designed the menu for this. Oh, and, cool! What a fun job, right? And it was like. She, 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 you know, they hint, they gave her the script. She fell in love with it and she was so on board to do this. And so she took this like very sincerely. She wasn't like making these uh, like recipes or like the menu as like a joke or anything. She wasn't like necessarily mm-hmm. mocking anything. She was like genuinely, de- um, I was saying designing, but like crafting a menu. F- but yeah, designing a luxury menu. Yeah. yeah. Which I find, That's cool. I love it when movies bring in consultants like that. Yeah. Although I will say none of my complaints about the movie were about the food or the food photography, which was beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they do the whole like title cards for each like dish with like the, the menu. Oh, uh, I love fonts. it. It's just like chef's table, which of course I watched obsessively because I love watching people make food. <laughs> I don't know why there's something. I mean, they really are creating art out of very basic ingredients and the things they think to do are really interesting Mm -hmm. and so that part of it you're just like this is artistry there is such thought put into this kind of thing so there's a lot that i have to say about this and it's kind of hard for me to not just like full-on head dive into this well like getting to like messaging but like i'll (laughs) i'm still going to get into some of it here because i have like several things but I am uh, off the bat. I am not a foodie by any means. I mean, mm. I like to cook. I like to grill. Um, but I mean, I I feel like I make good eggs. But I <laughs> I am not a foodie by any means. I mean, like uh, I enjoy going out and trying out new restaurants and things like that. But I so much of like the lingo in this movie was just like just like a little bit over my head for for like some of the stuff like the. Like like the foam and things like that. I was like, is that is, yeah. is that a thing people get get all worked up about? I mean, that was a thing like ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's why they assumed people were for familiar with this stuff because a lot of what we see in the menu is like kind of molecular gastronomy, which really did get big like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it was how has this menu evolved or not evolved? How has this craft evolved as our head chef has been in the positions he's been in? Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know, considering a chef designed it, I now feel more accurate in saying that like the menu is crafted, but there are intentional parts of it that I would say may seem like a throwback. And so the food critic very fairly says like, Oh, this is like overdone. Or like we've seen so much of this, and it's like, yeah, we have. Yeah, but I I love what this movie is saying though about about the critics though in this. Um, I oh oh yeah, I mean it's not a fan of the critics, Mm-mm. but I I I think it's overly a fan of the chef. 
interesting. <laughs> There's kind of like this voyeuristic thing for the chefs. Um, when, when I, were... I mean, I think it's so. I mean, sorry, no, 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 just to give some of mine. Like, I I worked in restaurants in like every position, and then I in my twenties started teaching myself how to cook really intentionally, and I spent about five years like every single day like learning to cook learning to bake learning all these techniques and then I became a foodie because I understood like what went into all of it and the craft and the detail and how hard it is to do this stuff um and how finicky a lot of it is and so I got an appreciation for it and then I loved like tasting menus where you'd get to watch uh the kitchen you know, you watch them actually assemble and then serve it to you. Like you watch it from beginning mm. to when you consume it. Um, I'm a super nerd about that kind of thing. <laughs> See, I am not. So I'm really curious to hear like when we get to like messaging and things like that, but like just like your takeaways about what this movie is trying to say about food and like the food industry and kind of like people mm-hmm. that are like in like that, that service like role for it. And also just like the culture of like foodies and things like that. And like what this, because since I'm not like deep in the weeds of that, like by any means, I got so, it, to me, I was like, this movie's not talking about food at all. Like this, this, this is like. It's not really. It, yeah. It, it, like it is and it isn't. But like there were some like cool ideas about food and specifically kind of like the, the craft of making food and like Tyler's whole spiel, and we'll we'll get into that. Oh, Tyler! Oh my god! Oh, Tyler is like my nemesis. Where like he doesn't. Yeah, we'll get into Biggest it. Shit but bag. I think yeah. <laughs> the the movie is really trying to highlight like people who are authentic and people who are not, in my opinion, and people that are obsessed versus people that have like a passion. Yeah, and yeah, and like people who see it as something just to be consumed as opposed to like a whole experience. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very good point. And it kind of brings me to, we've kind of talked about some characters a little bit, but uh, uh, Ralph Fiennes as uh, Chef Slowick, um, Julian Slowick, I believe. Uh, one of my new favorite horror villains, like ever. <laughs> he is, he was just exquisite in this movie. I, like, I was, I was kind of drawn to the movie for him, to be honest. Um, and, it was, I just love, we, there weren't a whole lot of these, but like the movie makes you tear, like in, not just like terrified of him, but you're like intimidated by him. Like you're as intimidated by him as like his uh, sous chefs are. And like whenever he like would step out of the kitchen and like the camera would just be like tracking, just like right on his mm-hmm. shoulder, walking to like tables. I just kept like, fuck, someone's in trouble. Like I, <laughs> I, it was, I don't know. It was just so good. And I would just, I was, I would get like giddy just watching him kind of just like his presence just like everywhere, just like kind of like hovering around everybody. It was so good. And he like reminds you and it, this, this is kind of like getting into kind of like, you know, like workplace culture and things like that, and like toxic mm-hmm. work environments and everything. But uh, oh, he was just exquisite. One of my new favorite horror villains. I'm not even sure I would call him a villain. Oh, and he's a I villain. Come on. Like, kill, Orly, kill people. <laughs> Orly, you are bought in. You're in his chef cult. Like, come on. <laughs> no, I, I. Is he not also like a willing victim of a system that he didn't fully understand when he got into it? He's still the. I mean, yeah, but like villains can sometimes still be victims too, you know, like. Jason Voorhees, okay. you know, he, 
and Pamela too. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess what the angle that I'm looking at him from, I agree with you. I think they did it really well. But all it makes me think of is all the documentaries I watched about chefs and how they, much like surgeons, very exacting, very precise, very micromanagey, very high anxiety, high control. Mm -hmm. And so it just seemed like, yeah, that's a that's a luxury kitchen chef who's been in the game for a decade. Mm -hmm. And I like the way that you described that as like very exacting and control of like everybody that they you know, have under them because mm -hmm. something that I've never really been aware of or really thought about, but you know, it's like his kitchen is his restaurant. I mean, so pretty much anything on the menu, anything that comes out falls like on him, even though he wasn't yeah. the direct person cooking that plate or whatever. And it kind of like, to me, this, this is like a very meta movie and that like, it, it's kind of like also talking about, how uh, any sort of like art or crafts, whether it's like a kitchen or a movie itself, you know, there's so many different hands that go into it that produce something for it. But like, it's always the the chef or the director that will get the credit or the blame. Um, and well, yes, but I want to say you're phrasing it passively and that like they will get the blame. But here in this room in the menu, we see the people who give the chef all the acclaim who put everything on the chef. It's not him. It's not him, but like, it's kind of like, uh, well, I don't know. I think it kind of is him and isn't him, but like when they put like blame on him, because like, you know, they're saying, because even when that cop shows up later on in the movie uh, and they're like, they're, they're directing the cop to get him that like, it's been him organizing all this, but it's, it's one of his sous chefs that even like admits that like, it was her idea to kill everyone. But like they're still giving right. him the credit for it too, for it. Right. And I, I think it can't be overlooked that most chefs still today are men. It's still very male dominated, even though cooking and baking is theoretically like coded for women. The people who get the acclaim in the food world are almost always men. True. Even if they have staffs of women. And so it's interesting to look at like, yeah, I guess that's part of what I see in him. Yes, he's a villain, but he's also just like a center point for so many things, both that he wanted and didn't want. Mm. And I think like, I don't know, I feel like I remember, and I may be making this up because it's so long ago, Gordon Ramsay talking about the intense pressure of maintaining a Michelin star and like the personal emotional responsibility he felt, not just to like keep the acclaim, but then to keep his restaurants open, to keep people staffed in them, to keep being able to provide jobs. Mm. And so like he saw himself ever more as responsible for more than just the menu. Interesting. And this movie, do you think this movie kind of gets into that though? About like that like kind of responsibility, like kind of what you were just saying beyond the menu? I think it does partly through the other characters around chef. Hmm. So for example, his sous chef, like I, I think the way we experience him is so interesting because we're experiencing chef after he has had all these, I guess, like personal breakthroughs, emotional growth, breakdowns, or like whatever has happened to him mm -hmm. where he like is acknowledging he's made past mistakes. He's owning up to them. 
And he's also trying to make other people take responsibility for things. Mm, interesting. Okay. So <laughs> so do you think that he thinks is like his his duty to make people absolutely appreciate mm-hmm. this, realize what they've gotten? I think I think that's part of if we want to call him a villain, that's part of his madness in this movie is that he has been driven to a point where he does feel compelled. He must show these people how things are. Mm. And it, how they really should be. And it's not just like how things are, but also kind of like showing them like their misgivings. And it's uh, again, like kind of going back to how I felt like this was so Agatha Christie um, mm-hmm. sp- specifically. And then there were none, the whole tortilla scene where they are like actually shown what their misgivings are. And, oh my God, and it, the tortillas. Are, it's such a, are they misgivings or are they scandals? Well, it, <laughs> it, it, it's such a range though. Cause like it ranges from like infidelity to just breaking chef's rules to uh, embezzling money to just making, oh, to yeah, literally just making a bad movie. Like it's a, See, it's quite a range. See, you downplay that, but um, we will talk about that punishment. Okay. I, I get it. Like, Arguably, wasting someone's time is a, the biggest crime of all. You are on Chef's side so much, I'm a little worried. But <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I also have a revenge streak. And I could see, like, haven't you ever worked for just days and days, double shifts, like, on your feet for 15 fucking hours every day? You're popping pain pills because the muscles in your legs are spasming. Like... And you just get a, t- a fucking day off mm. to enjoy yourself and your whole body hurts and you're fried. I'm saying I understand that bitterness. Kind of too, but like, I don't know. I think like, I don't, I, I understand, I understand where you're coming from a little bit from that, but like. I'm not saying everybody would think this. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that like, you know, the, the, it, it's still though proving the point of like the range of misgivings or just like sins that they all have yeah it's so wide but it, getting back to and then there were none it's it was very much like that scene in the book where the uh the monogram plays and it literally just tells them why they're there and like what like what like <laughs> sins that they have committed and then just like end so like i loved that and the the tortillas you know you know they like kind of printed these like pictures on them uh, they actually did that, and the chef uh, Dominique Crenn, she had to help them, kind of like pioneer how to do that, because oh, cool. those weren't like prop; tor- those were like real tortillas that they like laser printed stuff on. Oh my gosh! And she like, and it was like crucial to her that they did it properly to where like the tortillas still were still intact, like they were still like edible tortillas that weren't burned. That sounds really challenging. Yeah, so it was kind of like c- kind of like her own sort of mission for this which i experiment yeah i know which is just crazy <laughs> i love that and then it became like a big internet meme these are tortillas yes um <laughs> that's not even the line that i like best which one is it <laughs> oh my gosh of course like you will eat less than you desire want and more than you deserve mm-hmm. think less than you desire more than you deserve and the way she says it you're just like oh snap yeah it's so good uh Elsa, the character of Elsa, played by Hong Shao, so good. So, so, so All the awards. Oh, my gosh. I'm scared of her. I'm far more scared of her than Chef. She was fantastic in this. And something that I learned about this was that they kind of did 
sort of blind casting for this in terms of like like mm-hmm. the character of Elsa was written to be like a Swedish person, but uh, uh, oh. Hong Shao just like killed it. There's like well, just like she did really good. We'll just keep it. We'll just like keep this. We we'll just keep it as Elsa. Like and it it totally works. Totally. And the 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 female critic uh, Bloom. I forget her first name in this. But um, or no, Loom. It was something Loom. But uh, that was also another blind casting. They didn't write it for like a man or a woman, so it's whoever like won it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. I do too. Because it really doesn't make a huge difference in the the watching of the movie, Mm-mm. unless except for the fact that you're like, wow, she's amazing. Right. But it, uh, Stanley Tucci though is like as her like uh kind of like partner in this. I th- I feel like that they were like friends or coworkers. I couldn't like quite till really i thought they were frenemies and competitors i don't see them as competitors i kind of see him as like like he like wants to be on her level because you could kind of see like he changes mm. his opinion on things based on what she says throughout this throughout like how she's grading the meals because like he well he also disagreeing her. with her he repeats her but he tries to disagree he tr- like in subtle ways i think so but like ultimately he's kind of like he he like desires her approval too i think which is kind of also yeah. getting to like that like weird kind of like that, that like mentor mentee relationship that's in this movie yeah it also i think gets at like, this idea of like chef and this food critic and this politician and this movie star they're all cemented they've been known for years they've made their name people know their name like they aren't trying to do this to establish themselves whereas every person in that fucking kitchen would be desperate to get their name on anything to establish themselves as their own like innovator. Right. And that's something I was listening, just like that specific example he gave, like the, the other chefs in the kitchen, I was listening, just kind of like doing some research. I was listening about to a podcast about like chefs and like them coming up with their own like concoctions or ideas and I, I I don't know names, but there was mm-hmm. this this other chef that like came up with like their own like really nice dish and recipe, and he like was he was asking if he could serve it in this like famous chef's kitchen in, like in his restaurant, and he says if you want to, sure, but it'll be known as one of my dishes, not yours. And he's just like that's not like even on purpose. Like people are only going to associate that with my kitchen. So it's true. Anything that comes out of that kitchen, you're going to be like, oh, I had this thing at so-and-so's restaurant. Yeah, exactly. He's like, even if I put your name on the menu, people won't read it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, yeah, part of what we get in in the, the dinner guests is most of them are just like, yeah, it's food. Cool. I like food. Yeah. And I feel like that's like going to so many other things besides food as well as I kind of already mentioned with literally anything, like even any sort of craft somebody can make there's other people that do play a role in it whether directly or indirectly that people don't always get credit for so i think it's like very much kind of talking about that a little bit too oh it is but we could also read it as just talking about food i mean think about the marvels of like prepared food that we get delivered for 8.99 and people get paid pennies to make and fold dumplings and like all of these things that we are now at a stage where people have to still hand make them but we've still turned it into like an an industry kind of line 
and devalued like the effort and the skill that goes into making and preparing food. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel that we've had like a lot to say. Do you want to go ahead and get into <laughs> the segments? Yeah, sorry. I no. Like I said, there's just so much in my head about this movie. Me too. And I'm, and I'm just so ready to unpack them with, with you know, yeah. the outline right, of the show. Let's jump in. <laughs> So, you know, let's start off with uh, subgenre categorization. Um, I have a few different thoughts about the subgenre for this, the different subgenres that this falls into, but I'll have you start, Orly. What, what subgenres are you getting from the menu? I mean, is satire a subgenre or just like yeah, a. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely satire. I also think there's an. Uh, not thriller, but how do I say, like, fun without being funny right yeah it well i think this i think that this is a funny movie i wouldn't call it a comedy but it is funny it's not a comedy but it's i don't know i i don't know the right place to put it which i mean i love i love cross genre things that are hard to categorize because this is so many things rolled into one is it because like i know and you're talking about thriller i was kind of debating that myself does it like teeter on mystery at all but like it kind of gives itself away so early on i mean it's mysterious without being a mystery it's thrilling without being a thriller like it's not a puzzle without being a comedy it's not a puzzle i mean part of it is because um our main character we don't know anything about her and i mean most of the movie passes and she is the enigma Mm mm-hmm like, we're learning about Chef, we're learning about the other guests, we're learning about the restaurant and the island. The thing we aren't learning about is, what's her face? Margot. Margo, well, the character's you. name is Margot, but uh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy, yeah. Anya, Anya, which I learned because she says it's like aneurysm. And I watched so many people on the internet be mad about how she says her own name. <laughs> That's so dumb. That's so dumb. <laughs> I empathize with that because people struggle with my name sometimes. <laughs> but it's... And you like aneurysm, which is awkward, I think. But yeah. Um, but Margot, I I don't know. It's I didn't feel like she was our person. And so this also felt a little bit like a voyeuristic kind of movie. Mm hmm. Uh, is is that a shot? I don't know. We're just making up subgenres, but some kind of like voyeuristic horror. We're, we're the we're the clear audience. Like there, this movie is for us. Um, I don't know how else to say it. And then I wonder: is there a level of mm, is this a subgenre? Like systems of exploitation? I mean, it could be exploitation. I don't know. There's something about the systemic nature of it that it's not all these people just choosing to like exploit each other in a vacuum. That there's this, I don't know, big machines. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to think kind about it. I, but I was thinking some kind is, of... Is it kind of like a workplace drama, but like workplace horror? Kind of workplace horror. Yeah. I'd say workplace horror is the closest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, by the way, one of my favorite emerging subgenres in horror. Based on our conversation this weekend. All about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Look out for my book in like five years. <laughs> yes. It will traumatize you. Um, soon to be directed um, by Brendan so yeah. Cronenberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I can get him. Um, so, yeah, what do you think? 
Um, I'm in, you know, very similar uh, line as you, uh, you know, satire. Um, I thought that this was a very meta movie, as I've kind of mentioned. Mm -hmm. I feel like it is very much talking about itself and like itself as a movie. And like, because the, you know, it's very much, this is, I think, like the angriest movie I've ever seen. Like this movie is so pissed off i feel like like this had like a very not mean like it's not mean spirited Mm -hmm. but it is angry that you are watching it kind of thing (laughs) i think i would say more like fed up fed up i mean it's 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 fed up it's angry it's pissed off and it's you know it's harking back to the tyler's in the audience and also the, Mm the 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 loon critics in the audience as well and this I didn't feel attack, but this like it <laughs> it really kind of like made myself feel weird as being a movie podcaster because mm. it's this movie is very much saying, you know, don't don't even dare have an opinion or a critique on a craft unless you have been able to produce that yourself. And this movie. Oh, I didn't get that tape. Oh, that's all I was getting from this. Was that? Th- I. That's not what I got from it. I was getting this movie is angry <laughs> that you're watching it. This movie was to me. This movie was even saying unless you made a movie in the year 2022, don't even tweet that you watched me. What? I think this movie <laughs> that's, is. That's not what I got. From I think it. this movie is so <laughs> angry at people like Tyler who think that they know so much about a certain craft that they could talk to people about it and everything and how like that he gets his comeuppance in this. And then also the, the loom critic and how she is kind of just, just, just she's nitpicking like every little thing, even though she was invited to come, which is kind of like a big deal. Um, you know, it's like still kind of like a rude thing. I know like she's a food critic, but like, yeah, she was invited to come as like a friend kind of, I think. They're not friends. That's what he's saying. We're not friends. You you kind of like fucked me. They're not friends, but like she also put him on the map. So it's kind of like <laughs> this weird like frenemy thing that they have. And I don't know. I don't think they were ever friends. <laughs> like True. I think it's, if anything, like a one-sided relationship. And the food critic thinks they have a friendship. And they do not. That's probably it, actually. Because she doesn't see Chef as a full human. Mm-hmm. She sees him as chef. She she sees him as like I gotta like break him down for my article. Yes, and well, or like yeah, this is a subject for my job. Yeah, exactly. And she, that's and all. she is like the professional podcaster. Tyler's like the the doofus that doesn't know what he's doing, but thinks he's doing a good job, kind of thing. <laughs> like that's what I was like getting away from this. Like this movie is so angry. It, like it's not even talking about like movies or food. Like literally anything anywhere that you could leave a review, it doesn't want you to do it. And interesting, unless you have created it yourself, and like that's like what I felt like the whole like Tyler arc of this is. Um, but how does that jive with Chef criticizing the movie and then using that against John Leguizamo? Well, he's not criticizing the movie; he's criticizing his movie. <laughs> so, but that's what I mean. Like he didn't craft a movie, hasn't done anything like it, but is fully like empowered and if we think the chef is the center here like we're kind of backing his decision his opinion right and the movie's bad i think it's still i think like it's like purposeful too like in in that like it's 
it's kind of like, yeah, I haven't made that either, but I'm still going, I'm now going to take your power that you like, you've had over me and use it over you now kind of thing. And that's right. They're all doing it to each other constantly. But I would say that doesn't mean don't have an opinion. I think it is. I think it's saying, don't you dare have an opinion. And like, it's saying like how much it sucks. <laughs> that, that, that's what I think it's saying with that. Interesting. I didn't get that message at all. I got all the layers of like bitterness and resentment and exploitation, but I didn't see it as anti-opinion or like anti-critic because they're all critics of each other constantly. And like that's how they all operate. But he's allowed to be a critic in his own kitchen because they're all like doing the same thing. And he he's like he's kind of like rejecting all of them. And even like he is still so mad. Like even when he goes to the old man who gets his finger cut off, he he's like, name me one dish you've had here the last five Wait, the politic, the shitty like pedophile yeah. incest politician. Yeah, and he's like, just, yeah, he, yeah. He's allowed to have an opinion about that guy. Yeah, too. see, it was. It's not like him like, having opinion about them. Is like him being mad that they have an opinion about his food or like his kitchen, and. That's what I think this whole thing is about. Just having opinions and takes. I don't think he cares. I think that's what he has transcended. Is like, I have been consumed by all of your opinions and the world's opinions of me. And I'm seeing what that has turned me into. And I haven't shared opinions because I've been trying to preserve this status, this reputation, so that all of you continue to come here and vaunt me and give me money and help me do this. And now he's like, no, no, that didn't serve me. It didn't serve me to hold back my opinions on the world and things I'm not a part of. Interesting. See, I think it's, I mean, I think that's a very fair take and everything. I just, I still just think I mean, he's, I don't have the answer. Yeah, it's totally yeah. like our different takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think like this movie is just, is just kind of getting at that and like people's opinions and like, so it's not much. really opinions. Yeah. It's more like critiquing things that like people can't even make, you know? Mm. Um, which is kind of fair because now that I know how much work goes into a podcast, I'm like, damn, people really scathe these podcasts. But like, that was 30 hours of someone's life. Yeah. <laughs> like for like one episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So besides meta, like in this kind of being like a very meta angry movie, um, I had this very much falling into the subgenre of what I'm calling just like cult movies, like cult horror um okay with like the sense of isolation small group well not just that but also like the his sous chefs and like everyone working on the island following his instructions to kill these people and everything and even like kill themselves and like they all mm. live on the island that's a commune and like they just kind of I don't say blindly, but like they they are somehow under his spell, very much like how a cult leader. Um, I mean, I kind of get it because it's like he's a cult leader, but at the same time, usually cult leaders aren't subject to their own rules. And like he lives kind of like slightly above them, but still in a very like monastic spare kind of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, he's not the cult leader who, like, is living in excess while everybody else is poor. Right. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, exactly. And well, I think that's part of the loyalty they have. True. His 
his house is like slightly nicer in that like he has privacy. It's it's slightly nicer. Yes, he has a bed and he has like his cave, but it's not. He's never out of the kitchen. He's literally never out of the kitchen because even the kitchen is attached. Like the replica kitchen isn't closed off from his bed. He is always in the kitchen. And so it doesn't feel like he's necessarily putting himself above them as a worker. Like he's still just as obsessed with like perfection and getting it right. Right. I wonder if the Dominique Crenn, the, the the consultant chef for this, I wonder like how much if they consulted her any at all about just like that culture and like that kind of oh, like I'm so going curious. into that. I feel like probably because I don't know. I think there's a lot in the fine dining world that isn't uh you wouldn't just assume it. I you know, I would love for there to be a commentary track of her over this movie. It just like kind of like oh, yes. really getting into it. I think that, that would be That'd fascinating. Be cool. I agree. And like what went into the thinking behind different dishes or ingredients or like presentations? Right, exactly. Like, can we talk about the no bread bread plate? I'm sorry. I know like we're not in that segment, but like <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, it's yeah, though that was so good. And again, it's like he's just fucking with them, you know? He's like, I'm not even gonna give you bread to critique, you know? Like it was so enjoyable to watch that. It's so good. It was so, so, so good. Again, like, again, I think it's him being mad about critiquing. And he's like, I'm not even going to give you something to, to grade on this. Um, he he gave them sauces. It's not I bread. It's the breadless bread. Uh, <laughs> it's It was so good. Um, I think the last thing I had, I did have Thriller as well. But like you and I kind of talked about that. Yeah, I just don't. I, uh, I don't it, know. It, it's it's kind of tricky because like it, it's a thriller for like the first twenty minutes, and then it kind of just really mutates into something still great, but it's just not a thriller so much. Yeah, it's almost. Oh, I feel like there's a ter- like locked room mystery. Oh, is almost what it turns into. That's another thing I love about this. It's all like in like one location. Right? Oh, it's so good. Right. And so I feel like it starts out like a mystery thriller mm-hmm. and then it turns into this like horror thriller and then it goes full horror. It's like if Agatha Christie wrote, I don't know, Iron Chef or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of those shows. Oh my God. Yes. That's, yeah. I'm into Nailed that. Nailed it. Um, the, the, <laughs> last thing, the last thing that I had was... Um, it's not a genre, but it's kind of like this new... It's not new. But it's what I am finding to be kind of like this contemporary thing that I've been seeing a lot in horror and like contemporary horror movies and that uh, people not knowing when to break the social etiquette, even though they feel threatened. Mm. And um, we're seeing this in movies, I believe, here, like in the menu, Speak No Evil, Resurrection, The Invitation from 2015. Um it's you know very much like where the the victims of the movie are in a very peculiar situation but like they are so afraid of being rude or even like offending another party that they don't want to break that social etiquette even though they feel threatened and i feel like this movie is kind of playing with that too because the whole time because even after he cuts off the guy's finger or you know the 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 whole mess Mm -hmm. part the whole time it's just like all these people have weapons like why don't they just like 
band together. That's part of the horror right? that I love because, yeah, I here's the thing. In that situation, I would rather die trying. And I know a lot of people say that. But what they're faced with you? in this movie is, well, is that what's on the table here? You know, because when you're in a real life or death situation, you're constantly like, I'm not really at risk of dying because you're trying to like protect yourself mentally. You're like, this isn't what I think it is. I'm going to ignore my fear response because like I'm misreading the situation. I'm not about to die. Very much like how the the Loom critic, um, God, I hope I'm getting her name right, but uh, how the Loom critic was kind of just like, it's all theatrics. It's it's acting. It's all part of the Exactly. Like people will rationalize anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think the Silicon Valley guys are a great example of that. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Do I hate tech bros? Oh, oh. Like, <laughs> can't say a no oh, any. right up there with chefs and surgeons honestly <laughs> <laughs> um but i i love how they're portrayed as these people who are just like i can ask for anything i want it doesn't matter what situation i'm in i have privilege over all of you no matter what mm-hmm. like them very much dropping like do you know who i am oh my god i just want to be like i love when she was like Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love how she corrects. You're not getting any fucking bread. <laughs> and I love how she corrects him because he says, you know, we work with so-and-so. She goes, no, you work, work for so-and-so. For. Um, that was also my favorite. And then when their angel investor gets drowned, which, by the way, is not about having opinions on things, I don't think. Or maybe it is. Um, it was a particularly, it's not gruesome. It's 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 hard to watch. It's definitely hard to watch. Uh, we'll we'll get to it. We get to the fear analysis. The the fallen angel. Uh, <laughs> okay. But again, that that felt cultish too, though the the fallen angel bit. It did feel kind of cultish because it was very. I don't. It was like the only thing that was so outside of food, and I don't know. It just it felt like something I would see a midsummer almost. Yeah, but I feel like that's because. It's an angel, and the word angel has been taken and twisted by the tech industry. Like angel oh, investor. Yeah, angel investor is a huge term and has been like for a while. And in fact, in Silicon Valley investors, investing in fine dining has been a thing for a long time. So like that was that tie-in too. Mm. Um, but yeah, these tech bros think that a restaurant is like a tech company and it's not at all. Gotcha. So, it's, oh, again, I think that's like getting into the whole critique thing is like you want to buy this restaurant, but you don't even know anything about restaurants or making food or anything like that. I That's why I still think it's kind of, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I oh, no, it does matter. But, but like, I think that's why it's the getting objection. It. it does. <laughs> but wasn't the objection that the chef had, not that he had opinions, but that he wanted to dictate so much of the menu. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why should he have a say in it, though? That's like still him having an opinion on the menu. It's like, why should he have a say? He's not a chef. Getting into the fear analysis of the menu, according to Dr. Carl Albridge, there are five types of fear that all humans share psychologically. Those are the fear of extinction or death, mutilation, body invasion, loss of autonomy, 
separation, abandonment, or rejection. And then finally, humiliation, shame, or worthlessness, i.e. the death of ego. Uh, Aureline, what types of fears do you think that this movie is playing off of? Oh, my God. It's all about killing people's egos. Destroy those <laughs> egos. Just, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a huge fear from so many angles like we've talked about. Yes, I, I fully like, agree. From the angle of being the creator, from the angle of being the critic, of being the consumer. <laughs> and the like, the wannabe, like the, the Tyler of it all too. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I. I absolutely like the the Tyler death. We just have to talk about it for a minute because it is not gruesome or bloody or ugly or gross, but it is one of the scariest scenes in terms of like tension and pressure. I felt deeply uncomfortable and did not want to watch. And it wasn't even his death scene. It was the lead up to his death. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the the lesson that he needed to learn. Uh and it it's probably like one of the best jokes in the movie. It's Tyler's bullshit is like the dish that that they name it. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's and it's how so good. The, the movie has so much personality. There's so many like little subtle things in there too that like they're really trying to like show how like he is such a poser because like you know, he's talking about how he has like that snow maker machine whatever at home, so he can, like makes snow on his food or whatever it is. Oh, he was and like trying, but he's such a jerk. <laughs> he's such an asshole. And he but like it's not that like he acts like he knows more than everybody in the room. He's like he just also just treats people poorly. Like, you know, they have the whole thing where, like he'd even ask the chef's name and he knew his name and he like literally snaps at Margo in this and like oh he's my just, god the snapping uh he's just, and i loved that she just jumped across the table and like punches him like, I, I half, do too. The movie is so good um but one of like the subtle things that i found interesting is that how like chef he shows out he has like super callous hands and that he like pick up these hot dishes without hurting oh, himself and like awful tyler was like burning and hurting himself as he was cooking and it just kind of shows just how green and just un unknowledgeable he really is it in in it i don't i just loved like all the little subtle things that they had in it yeah i mean on that note it also showed like he hasn't suffered to learn this thing and you have to suffer to learn new things if you if you really want to learn them if you really want to achieve mastery of something you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. You're going to suffer. You're going to get calluses, um, even mental calluses, whatever it is, like you're going mm-hmm. to struggle, right? Like that's that's the point. Um, and I, I don't know. I On the one hand, if it wasn't a horror movie, it would be like, yeah, well, he could have learned the lesson and lived. <laughs> like maybe he'd be a better person. But this is a horror movie. And so he's not going to be a better person. In fact, we'll just make him worse and worse and worse and worse. And then we'll completely humiliate him in front of everybody. And then when he dies, it like doesn't even matter to anybody. No, it doesn't. Like nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Like that's so dark that like it's like he wasn't here at all. Mm -hmm. And I loved how you described his death in that like. It wasn't very showy. It wasn't very flashy or anything like that. It was like kind of like a quiet death. But like 
I like that too because it's so it's still like you know like a, a metaphor for basically what he like really oh, yeah, was his- you know he wasn't this big showy he wasn't he wasn't a big deal like how he thought he was oh I was gonna say it showed that like they obliterated his ego to such a point that he didn't even call attention to his own suicide that's fucking dark that's real horror there that is real horror <laughs> but i think it's it, it, it's kind of playing into like the cult stuff a little bit too because he's just like following but like i think it's also just like he doesn't have any original ideas you know like he is just kind of copying what other chefs have done or said or other like food critics like he like he has just like learned by osmosis but he hasn't like developed his own opinions or thoughts on it at all he's kind of just regurgitating stuff to people and and we see that when like he tries to cook and i'm sorry he can't even cook Mm -mm. he can't even think of a good dish either he can't even understand how long to cook something for he and i mean on the one hand yes he's stressed and he's on like everybody's watching him and it's a very high pressure situation on the other hand, I still know how to like cut a fucking onion, you know, and like he didn't have that base of knowledge. Right. Or that like your meat should be cooked all the way. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the way he was just like throwing things in a pan. I was like, oh, this is painful. You are. This is like a child trying to like make dinner. <laughs> yes. I do love that thing where he's stuttering. I believe it's on the word shallots. And he's like, do you want some shit? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to tell us? You want you want to cook some oh shit? <laughs> I was so un- my skin was crawling. Mm, it's it's so good it's such like a good just like you know chef dressing him down uh it's so great there there was this really interesting line though that tyler had and i'm trying to find it right now but it's pretty much him saying that how chefs are like working with the raw materials of life and death and like they're like on that the edge of the abyss and he's like that's where like god works too and I honestly think that's too smart of a thought for him to have thought of before. I oh, think I don't think it's smart. I think it's very facile of a thought. It, it is, but I think it's like uh, I don't think he like even thinks that deeply about this. I think Chef just like spoon fed him that when he was uh, tr- not tricking, but like getting him to come here and like end his life here because like Tyler like willingly is coming here to die. He knows he is. So yeah, I think like but, Chef just fed him all this stuff. I mean, maybe, but I would argue it's more of food culture than this particular chef. I all the documentaries, all the shows, all the books, all the blogs. I like I have watched all, almost every episode of Chopped. <laughs> I have seen Chef's Table. I've watched everything David Chang has ever done since like 2005. Like there is so much out there and you could just watch it and pick up terms and like feel like you know things without knowing mm. them. I, it's very easy to be like, oh, sous vide. I know what that is. Have I ever fucking done it? No. I have no idea of the mechanics. I don't know the chemical reactions. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know why. Um, But I feel like there's food got so big fine dining culture got so big in it mm-hmm. there's so much media about it that it's very easy to get like i don't want to say indoctrinated but just like highly educated but still ignorant oh yeah or like highly aware of a thing without like understanding it i think that's a really good way to put that yeah 
So like I think that all fed him. I'm using a lot of food words, not all intentionally. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. <laughs> but I think all of that culture and then his own interest fed him. And here's what I don't get, though. He had like months up to this and he didn't learn how to cook anything just in case to be able but to like one on one talk. I don't know. I, I don't think he thinks that deeply about it either. And also, uh, yeah. he he's still very pompous and like very much just like they are here to serve me oh i know that like, whole i'm not gonna thread. learn to cook right that whole exactly. thread like a lack of curiosity in someone is so off-putting because <laughs> like you don't have just because you like this stuff it doesn't mean you have to like learn to cook or be chef level or anything you can just like really appreciate green beans i don't know like <laughs> <laughs> or like right. you can respect people doing the thing that you don't want to learn that's also fine. But to, yeah, to be dismissive while also pretending to respect it as art while really not. Yeah. Oh, that, that I think that's a really good way to put that dismissive, but like not really appreciating that it is art. I think that's a really good way to put that. Um, I love how we both had the death of ego kind of like centered around Tyler in this. I mean, like kind of everyone in this, but like I feel like Tyler is like, because we kind of go through his journey more than anyone else in this in terms of the ego dying. Yeah. Um, and we and, start with him. But, so in a little true. bit, like, we're tied to him in that, like, well, he's one of our, like, main viewpoint characters. So maybe he's not so bad. And the movie's right. like, just you wait and see how bad he is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And honestly, great point because... Uh, this movie is so good on a second viewing and actually I actually enjoyed it uh, even more on rewatch just because I've talked about this before, but I love it when you can like pick up little nods and details, like what things are like really talking about. Mm -hmm. And it, like, I'm almost embarrassed. I didn't catch that. Margot was like a, a sex worker in this. I like, she wasn't his girlfriend in it. What? And, we, we, she, you she didn't is, catch that? I know. I, did, she's, yeah, I didn't she's, catch it the first time, like until the reveal, but like I didn't because the whole time I was like, okay, I guess he's just like a shitty boyfriend or whatever. What? And then like. That was such a key part of the movie. <laughs> well, like, oh, I didn't catch it until like, you know, when she tells Chef. Oh, okay. There. I thought you meant like the whole first viewing. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying like, but. Oh, okay. On Got second it. viewing, I'm like surprised I didn't catch it sooner. Oh, that they're like on a date, an escort date, not exactly a, a date right. Date. Yeah, that she's yeah. his escort, and that like he, the way that he treats her, because she's still like kind of like in that service industry too, and everything. And it's interesting that this movie is kind of playing into like two very primal kind of like industries, like food and sex, or just even like companionship. So it's. And I also like it that how she, uh, her character is kind of like that rare example of how like, because she she has that conversation with uh, Chef, and this is kind of getting to my other fear of this, is mm -hmm. um, it's not loss of autonomy, uh, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like that fear of losing your passion, like falling out of mm -hmm. love of something that you like, you really like. Yeah. And because um, and she even talks about how you know, she once used used to like doing mm -hmm. this stuff and everything. And I, I liked how like, they kind of portrayed it as how it was something that like she willingly liked to do. And even like at 
she she used to like really enjoy this profession or whatever but it's i, I kind of like it how they didn't play this whole thing like she was like forced into it or or whatever didn't have a choice like it was still kind of like she was able to level with chef on some on that part but like they both got into something that they really uh, something that they enjoyed but has now turned into something else and now they just feel like they're just serving other people and he and tyler throughout the movie kind of reminds her that like he's paying for all this. So he wants the experience to go the way he says so, including how she eats. She's not allowed to smoke and ruin her palates and all this other stuff. Yeah. Get the fuck out, Tyler. Um, actually, as you were saying that, I was thinking again, those sentences could apply to everybody in the room. Mm. Did the food critic once really love food and trying things and discovering new chefs? Did John Leguizamo once really love acting? I think yes. Did the politician love... His wife? Being a politician. (laughs) I don't know. But like I'm just saying they were all examples of people who maybe all had that same kernel in their story, but we only see Margot and Chef be authentic about it. Everyone else is masking it or has well, lost it. Like, we don't know. Are they upset at what they have become? Do they even acknowledge what they've become? I think the latter is more of it. Is that, like, they haven't acknowledged mm-hmm. it and that Chef has kind of actually come to terms with it. And right. Like, he understands where he is now. Yeah, exactly. And Which is why uh, I, you talked about – we'll get into it when we get to the messaging, actually. I'll save the cheeseburger okay. stuff for that. Oh, but, uh, I have a whole like rant about that stuff. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did not love it. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, I agree with you, like the loss of passion. But I think what you touched on earlier in a very simple way is also loss of autonomy. Because why aren't they running? Right. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> and the the men do get a quote opportunity to but they don't try to escape they just like hide one of them like does. children That's one of true. them gets one of them does but it's also really it, but this movie is funny like it's funny when they are just like just this like like the the old man the old politicians just slowly walking back with this bloody hand and like the the guy that almost got away on the boat is just losing his ever loving mind yeah he tried he tried it, it was funny. It was it like when they were running, he was like, dude, bro, get away from me. Like when they That's exactly what I would say. I would say don't take my hiding spot. Don't attract attention. Get away from me. Uh, see, I'm the opposite. I'd be like, no, we need to all team up. You know, like- <laughs> I mean, that would also have been smart. I think what's so interesting is like the um, the dichotomy or the contrast between the alignment of the the kitchen staff and the complete lack of collaboration in the dining room, even when things go to mm, shit. Interesting. Like, at no point do they team up, whereas the members of the kitchen understand the value in that alignment in teaming up in having one vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did, doesn't Chef even say at the end that, like, y'all could have tried? Like, yeah, didn't he's he like, even say you, you could have, like, left. You could have run. You, you didn't even try. And... I do think that's interesting because much like they we can assume maybe like they have accepted their fates as who they've become. They have also just they accepted that they didn't fight against life. They didn't fight against the bitterness. They didn't fight against losing themselves. Mm -hmm. 
they didn't fight when they were faced with death. One thing I wanted to mention before moving on to like scariest parts of this mm-hmm. movie is because we're talking about the men running. I one of my favorite jokes in this is when they find uh, Stanley Tucci and in the, in the little, chicken coop. In the chicken coop, they're yeah, like, "Congratulations, they you're the last one." So you sure did. And he gets a special little treat. <laughs> it's just like through the little like window. It's almost like a doggy door. Um, it's God. This movie is really funny. Um, <laughs> it was really well the way the staff member is just like, and here you go, very casually, very calmly, like. Mm-hmm. It's. It's. I mean the the staff level of organization is perfect. Great, like just acting from them too. Like you yeah. know they're it, it, great, great all around. Even like the extras in this were really good. <laughs> I agree. So getting into the scariest scenes or aspects of the movie, um, I have a list of things that I feel like could qualify for scariest moments. Um, I think to me, the scariest moment, the moment where I was kind of like, just like like banging the table, just like, holy shit, kind of was Fallen Angel. Uh, that one freaked mm. me out the most. Um, and it's also... really. It, yeah, because it's one, it's gorgeously shot, which is always like creepy when like mm-hmm. very like is this is creepy when kills are like happening. You're like, oh my god, this person's life, but like God, the cinematographer is killing it right now. And like because <laughs> Yeah, like at night framed by all the blackness. Not just that, but like when they shoot it from the outside, the reflection is there. So it looks like oh, he's in the yeah. same room as them and he's like falling. Uh, it's just great. I just love that you got to see you get to see his face and their faces at the same time because of that. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many emotions being expressed. Uh, it's just great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Drowning is like, I want to call it a fear of mine, but that's like, that's like well, got to be like one of the worst ways. And like, just, I don't know, just like, just like pic- picturing it and everything. And uh, just, it's just, it's very torturesome. It's also kind of like, um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of how like Tyler was talking about how like the chef, he'll be like working with like a, I guess like a scallop or something like he's like, he's like cooking it into like its last like muscle contractions and everything. It oh, kind of like I felt hate that like shit. that. I hate that. Yeah. Oh. It, it kind of felt like that a little bit, just how like how he certainly dishes he's prepared. It, this is kind of like just like another one sort of, but uh, yeah, Fallen Angel really, really fucked me up. Oh, I, I kind of breezed past that one because I was like, <laughs> kill the tech bros, kill the investors. Look, I'm having you a You were on the chef side for I, a lot of this episode. I'm just saying, Orlean. I mean, hey, look, I've worked in tech and I've worked in restaurants. And I guess I feel more loyalty, much like chef does, to the hard restaurant work. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was just kind of like, yeah, that's cool. I'm just like picturing you. I was picturing you, you yelling to yelling at people like how Elsa, we gel. <laughs> <laughs> we gel. Which, by the way, double meaning in this movie. What's the other meaning? Because The I kitchen don't know. staff gels. They work together perfectly. They do oh, everything okay. in alignment. Okay, duh. All right. <laughs> That's what I like about a lot of these terms where like, you can kind of look at it multiple ways. Um, mm-hmm. I would say for me, when I got scared, uh, for example, Elsa and Margot 
fighting in the second kitchen. Interesting. Okay. That was intense. I that was pretty good. got scared for both of them because I didn't want Elsa to die. You were I didn't want Margo to die either. I didn't want either of them to die. I mean, I'm not. I would never work in his kitchen, but just I'm not on the diner's side for sure because as we've talked about, they're assholes who don't appreciate things and don't respect humans. Like no one would be on their side. Mhm. Well, we see that Margot does because she is kind of of the same cloth as they try to say throughout the movie. Yeah, it's interesting that they try to say that and Margot is constantly like, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah I've, I provide a service, but I don't know if I'm like you. Yeah, I just like because <laughs> he keeps, you know, they have the whole like 15 minute timer. Like, you know, are you going to be dining with us or are you going to be dining with the guests? I just wish that she was like, is there like a third option? Can I just be like alfresco and just go outside? <laughs> just like, just chill. <laughs> no, I. Oh, yeah, I. I don't know. I also thought that the the thing like behind the door was not scary. Like her getting to that weird door. I thought it was going to be like a portal to hell or something. Oh, I was not going there. <laughs> oh, I just thought it looked very old and um, like crafted in a way. And that because it there, it's on both sides, like there's two doors mm-hmm. that connect his his house to the kitchen. Like the kitchens are connected. Um I mm. thought it would be something creepier or weirder or a little supernatural. I do think it's cool that it's kind of just like a look inside like his psyche kind of uh, with like the the awards and like his kind of upbringing. And like we see pictures of him and his mom and like him, like his first job and things like that. So it's kind of like a cool, like just like window into his mind almost. Weird shrine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, who keeps it, think, these rooms? It's like this and Barbarian. Who is keeping these weird rooms? <laughs> I think it's like kind of Freudian in that like it's him trying to remind himself of like a happier time. I don't know. I thought it was kind of bullshit in general, but we can talk about that once we get past the scary stuff. That's it, good. it started to fall apart around there for me. <laughs> Sounds good. So, so the um, the fight scene between Elsa and and Margo oh my gosh. was doing it. It for was you. really tense, and I didn't know who would survive. Same here. I didn't know either, and I thought that it was really cool to see how once Margot does kill her, that she is freaked out that she has just killed another person. Yeah, absolutely. Like she takes it very seriously that mm-hmm. she just had to kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I, I thought that was really good. Great acting. Uh, very good. Um, and also, I love that Elsa also has to say that this wasn't my mistake. He didn't tell me about the barrel. Kind of like those like her last lines was that like, I didn't mess up. I know. She's like, did I fail? No. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, yeah, it's, it's definitely fucked up. I also like the visual of them having this like knockdown mess up in the second kitchen Whereas the first kitchen remains pristine until the end. Mm, Even though the same kind of shit is happening, it's like they look so different. Is it kind of like the external versus internal kind of struggle sort of? Not really struggle, but like fight. I don't know. That's interesting. I just visually like to compare how messy and they like 
things are knocked down and there's blood and like they're all over the place. But the the real kitchen is pristine mm-hmm. throughout that- death, throughout humiliation. Mm. Yeah, and I, I do find that really interesting. Uh, I like that a lot. The I think besides Fallen Angel, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it already, but like Tyler making his bullshit under pressure was uh, like, uh, yeah, it was so uncomfortable. Um, but the the mess was pretty horrific in this. Uh, I agree. I was not expecting that. Me neither. That really shocked me. Mm-hmm. That was quite a bit. That was, that was a lot to handle. And it it almost felt too heavy for this movie. Really? I, I felt like it it was kind of showing them what happens to the food they consume every day that they ignore. Mm. Oh, what goes into this? It's a lot of death. It's a lot of animal death. Mm. And like they do kind of mm. ignore the messy parts of their meals, the messy parts of what it takes for this to get to them in this pristine artistic way. That's a really interesting take from that. Uh, and I like that. The Because, you know, if it playing into the mess that goes into their craft for for them yeah. to enjoy like they don't see this other side i was because again like i was so i just wasn't thinking about food at all while watching this and sure i was going way more into what was being said in this moment and how mm. uh, Sh- uh chef slowick is telling jeremy that you know you wish you like had my talents my life you know but you can't and kind of like that whole thing of how Jeremy, you have plateaued. Like you have, there's nothing that you've done wrong. There's, and there's nothing that like you could go back and do. There's no regrets that you have. You have reached your peak and it's not good enough. And it's just kind of like the, the mess he has made of his life has summed up to him just plateauing and not reaching his goal. And that fear of like not reaching your potential, even though you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. Um, right. I read it as we don't know any of this is true at all because mm. Jeremy made it to this kitchen. He got this job here. So we don't really know that he made a mess of anything. And we got to trust the source who's a cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> listening to someone who has a twisted point of view on food and achievement and what it means to succeed. Right. Like, we can't just accept what Chef is saying as true. Mm-hmm. Everything he sees is twisted. Hmm. Interesting. I I really like your takes from from this. I really like your takes, like of how like the the food angle that you have for all of this. Oh, thanks. I thought f- about food a lot during it, um, and also since I've been mean, thinking about things like the mess has been really interesting to kind of like noodle on. Of like, what are the layers of that? And especially the way that it was on a tarp so that they could keep the dining room and this kitchen, again, like pristine. The mess doesn't touch what the guests see. And so them taking this thing from from the background and exposing it is shocking. It is upsetting. This is what it takes to get to that meal. Mm, And like sometimes the wreckage, the bodies are people. 
I like that a lot. I like that I read a lot. I think that's really good, especially what you said about it coming, like the tarp coming from back from the kitchen and them seeing that that they normally don't. I think that's really good. I think that's a good take for that. Uh, well, I like oh, that I read a lot. Um, <laughs> I really, the only other thing I had be for like scary moments that I felt like would make a list like this is chef barging into the bathroom when uh, Margo's just like trying to have a cigarette and like, they kind of have like this face <laughs> off a little bit. Because uh, I didn't know where that was going to go. I didn't know it was like going to turn into like a really violent <laughs> scene or like what was going to happen. But I love her confidence and just being like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Like I, I, I love it. It's so good. And I feel it's like also, her confidence. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying it's also adding to like the the plot and the mystery of you know who is Margot, why is she here, and like why is it a big deal that. She, it's different from who was supposed to be there. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was really good. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. I Off of that, I wanted to say, I think to that point, Margot's self-confidence is in contrast to everyone else we meet except Chef. Mm. Like her sense of independence, her sense of autonomy, her sense of like, I can exercise my free will here. I can try things. I can do things that other people aren't. Like that's, it. it's like she could never be part of the kitchen because that stuff hasn't been like beaten out of her. Oh. She isn't like them yet. Moving on to the message of the movie. Um, I know that you and I have shared a lot of thoughts about what we thought this movie is talking about, me talking about it. It being very critical of people having takes on things. Um, but I feel like there's there's a lot to pick from here. Um, so any sort of like messaging or wacky interpretations that uh, you want to take from this movie, Orlean? I mean, I think overridingly, the thing I took from it is capitalism and the pursuit of endless growth ruins all art and love. Because I think the the motivations, the rewards, um, the risks of a thing you get into and you love change as you turn it into something that sustains your life financially hmm. and your reputation right so i think it's kind of the it's the anti like you know do what you love you'll never work a day in your life no <laughs> it's like find the things you love and invest in those but understand like the difference between passion and labor Ooh, i really like that and that whole take you had or spin you had about, you know, fi finding what you love and you never work a day in your life. And that's very much the opposite here. That's yeah, a really interesting so take from anyway. this. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really interesting take. I like that a lot. Theoretically, the movie is telling us he actually loved a thing once. That's mm -hmm. totally different than like, I worked in restaurants to make money. Right. Yeah. I do not look back on that time as a time of passion and creativity. That was like the slog I had to get through. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's what it turned into for him. I, I think that's interesting. Yeah. But this movie, I think, is definitely talking about like passions and how 
passions can turn into like obsessions, which is which can turn into like negative things, and it, it loses kind of like the lust that you had for it at, at some point. Um, uh, also, I think who you're who you're serving with mm-hmm. your art really influences how you feel like how it's received changes how you feel about your art and passion mm-hmm, absolutely and i think that, that was something that i wrote down here is that this movie is very much getting into you know givers and takers as as ralph fine says in the movie and you know that could just be you know copy and paste that into like any sort of like scenario really mm-hmm. um outside of this and the movie really did make me think about that too like it even because you know i said i watched this on a sunday morning i i door dashed breakfast that same day and like i was eating breakfast <laughs> while i was watching this and it was even making me think about you know like the the delivery person that i had like get you know get my coffee that morning um yeah and it's it's interesting and i also think that there is kind of this sneaky and going into like the giver and taker kind of thing that there's also like mm-hmm. this sneaky, I don't say like pro green, but like the sneaky sort of like, you know, like uh homeostasis between like earth and humans, like it's inhabitants because I believe it's the first or second course that he has that he calls like the ecosystem, I believe. And it's just mm, like, yeah, it, it, it represents all like the plants and uh, vegetation that's on that Island that they're at. And he kind of talks about how, like, you know, this is what it has given us to consume. And he's for, for a little bit really talking about what nature has provided and humans have taken from that, but what have humans provided back into it? Um, and again, playing into like one sided relationships, as you have talked about, um, throughout this, it, it, it's really interesting. It really kind of like makes you think about those types of relationships. Um, I don't know. It was yeah. just really cool. I think there's a lot of good things to kind of like make people like sit and reflect on in terms of those gives and I take agree. relationships. And I like how it wasn't just about the food industry. They mm-hmm. bring in tech, they bring in politics, they bring in movies to show that like this corrupting influence is everywhere. It's not about restaurants. It's not unique to food. It's not about chefs. Um, It's really just about like, I don't know, how we are living our lives and and working our professions and how we view them. Um, I found it was very, I had a lot of thoughts about obviously like class struggles and exploitation, but really about like, I felt chef was constantly saying like, what the fuck are we all really doing here? What are we doing with, you know, that quote, like, what will you do with your one wild and precious life? And I feel like he's, that's kind of what he's saying to everyone. He's trying to push them and they're not, they're mostly not reacting to being pushed as humans. It's also very much like, but like pushing it's kind of like his, job too that's kind of like him mentoring these other like sous chefs in there and like pushing them to their to their potential yeah or to their breaking points true yeah as yeah, he kind of like clearly that. did uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean not just with jeremy but like yeah. i i think it's it's also a message on like that kind of learning that kind of tough love that kind of approach actually doesn't work for everyone and it does destroy some people in the process is that worth it to achieve this like 
military like level of refinement Mm. again to food you know what i mean like i'm not trying to downplay food but when it's costing people's lives what have what are we what have we gained through this and i feel like that's what chef is constantly trying to say Mm. i don't see what we've gained i don't see what i've gained actually as a human by doing all of this and i feel like that's why it all ends in death because he's like none of us have justified our existences or like whatever it is that he's feeling i feel like it's also like in a uh not not like arguing against that, but like also kind of like in a mm-hmm. uh, in a metaphor sort of for what like chefs do and everything. Because and he talks about that, you know, he slaves over and makes something for your gut to just turn into shit. So it's you know it's like a it, it's kind of interesting. I was listening to people talking about art this week, and you know like food and like movies and like paintings, like and like plays and like yeah, it's like plays are you know, uh, finite and that, you know, like you watch like one live play once and you don't experience mm-hmm. that again, but you things, you know, like movies, books, paintings, the, the things that we think of when we think of art, even music, it's kind of, uh, you, you could go back to it. You could appreciate it again and everything. But like when it comes to like food, he has like one shot to like make his art and everything. And then it's gone. And I felt like that was like in certain metaphor, this experience that he is creating it's one shot you know it's like it's finite they're not gonna be able to walk away and like tell other people about this it's like you know he's like this is going to end here just like how you know once you're done cleaning your plate my art is done from from that standpoint of you appreciating it so i don't know i kind of find it interesting that kind of like how his him crafting the the menu in the terms of the dining experience is ending is something uh, very definite. <laughs> I I think that's I think he's mad that that's how they see his art. I don't think that's what he's saying it is. Because I don't I he throughout the night is pointing out to them like you're not even paying attention. And so I feel like it's yeah he can say whatever he wants about these dishes and they're not fucking listening because they don't care. And they're just like, it's fucking food. Let me eat it, man. And it's like, hey, you spent somebody else's like entire salary just to come here and you don't even fucking appreciate that someone is creating this ephemeral art for you. Mm-hmm. For you, literally for you, not for the world, not for charity, for you. And like, that's so special. To have that kind of exclusive experience crafted for you out of billions. So I feel like that's that's what he that's how he saw it. And I feel like that's the bitterness that has come in. No, I, I like again, he's very angry movie. He's angry, yeah. I I, I think there's <laughs> there's a lot of pent up stuff in this. And I think even think that plays into why his mom is there. Um and it, I hated that whole thing. <laughs> I thought it was so still like thematic to what I was getting away from this about like him in the movie being angry at critics and who are our first critics, our parents. And well, I, if you have shitty parents, which he did. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> like even if you don't have shitty parents, your parents are the first people that are critiquing you and correcting you and who you are trying to get approval from. Um, 
and I think uh, it's again. This is where I'm drawing the line. I like, know. I think it's fitting that died. he had her there. Some, yeah. I I agree. I'm just saying that's not all parents. I'm saying some some people guide. Uh, chef does not. Mm-hmm. Um. Some people critique. Some people criticize. Like it's. Yeah. I. Some people correct, but like. It's not universal. It's not just like how like you know not every boss is like chef, but yeah, I I think it's, I think it's definitely playing into also, like, like his, his story mom for was it. especially bad. Mm-hmm. His mom was especially bad, but I also didn't care. I felt like that was more about his emotional breakdown and like loss of meaning than actually being about his mom or like whatever she said or did. And that's why she's like over in the corner and she doesn't really matter because he doesn't. I don't think he cares that much actively. Mm -hmm. He's just like, this is another piece in the menu for my emotional need that I'm trying to meet. (laughs) So bitter person broken down by the world i think that's a great segue to get into the cheeseburger uh to and and like trying to like interpret what all this meant because i think that there's a pretty clear read for it Um, i know i hate this part it felt so like it felt like it was part of a different movie quite honestly to me okay tell tell me about it tell me your your takes on the i just found it so we were like approaching horror approaching this point of like main character it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to die because of bad luck, because of circumstances, because that's how people die. Whoops. You're not special. No one here is special. I'm not special. It's all over. And then there's an out. And it's like romantic and twee. And like she saw a picture of him smiling once. What? It just felt so like, deus ex machina without like oh i don't know i was like no kill everybody it's a horror movie why are you doing this yeah i i I do agree it does feel very deus ex cheeseburger um and and then it's all like twinkly and twee and you're like what the fuck is going on i mean i get I, i i i get what they're doing but i it did feel a little underwhelming for oh yeah i did not agree and it's not that i needed her to die it's just i did it's a horror movie (laughs) and everybody's gonna die and you just get to like walk out and eat your fucking cheeseburger yeah you didn't earn that like where did this come from i don't know so like i think what's going on here in in, like the movie rules which doesn't mean i agree with it but what it's just sure. me taking my stab at what it's trying to do again i agree with you i think i don't like that there was an out um but i think the movie allowed for her to have an out because she is another service worker and she understood what he wished that he could have again which is to cook for joy not for obsession and you know she was able to like unlock that memory of him and like take him back to like when he did cook for fun and cooked for joy and it was cheeseburgers as when he was employee of the month as a what looked like a teenager mm-hmm. you know young adult so 
she gifted that to him to allow him to cook for joy one more time before his demise, which is, I think, like why he allowed her to leave because of the gifts she gave him and that she is part of the service to cloth. But it, it does feel very like, OK, like an easy out to, to just use. Yeah, I agree with you about the movie logic. It didn't satisfy me in the way I wanted yeah. out of this kind of plot. And it did feel very almost cutesy to where it's like, oh, you made the villain feel a drop of happiness. And now everything is going to be different for you. And it's like, no, I liked the picture of this like bitter, vengeful man who was driving towards this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't buy that someone... This exacting, this planned, this meticulous, this bitter would just be like, oh, okay, pretty girl can have an out. I didn't like the whole like romanticizing of it all at the end. I didn't really see it as it being directed towards her. I just I just saw more being directed at Mm -hmm. the the enjoyment that he got from seeing somebody else enjoying his food. Like not so much like her. She ate one bite and I didn't even buy that she enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I didn't, the whole I, thing is like just romanticizing what he used to like, not her so yeah, much, and but it it's still like, yeah, like maybe that would work on someone who had been established as a lesser villain so far. Mm-hmm. Like someone who seemed like they wanted to turn a corner that they didn't want to go through with this. And I just didn't get that read off of him or any of the staff. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It did feel very romantic in a way that I didn't appreciate because. And maybe that's part of like mainstream horror, more kind of things that are more like broadly appealing is our our star is going to get out. Right. But like, that's not what I want out of a horror movie. It's not what you want out of a horror movie. Like, no. Kill the star. Kill everybody. <laughs> Like, I'm not- <laughs> if that's where the story is going, like, because it's fine for there to be a final girl, but this movie, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not satisfying to have a final girl get out. Not in this way. Like, I could have yeah. bought more if it was like a true kind of like her fighting her way out of there but she kind of yeah, like if it had been more of a challenge she kind of just like logicked her way out and like like and i like i kind of get what the movie's trying to say it just didn't work i just didn't jive with it yeah same i yeah. i get it i think it's it's just too simplistic for what we had built up mm-hmm. and the complexity of everything else it yeah. felt like an out it did i think it would have been i think it would have been more interesting if she maybe like did have some like uh, kitchen experience like and not that she would be at this level Ooh, yeah but like or maybe she does i don't know right but, but she'd have more of a like connection yeah and like maybe even like oh join your cult like whatever you know kind of just do, <laughs> <laughs> do the holy bait and switch sort of thing oh yeah he she could have been like oh i i never would have had the chance to work in your kitchen or like you know like play it up to him in some way as opposed to what i felt like which is she approached him as an equal, which is what was needed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't built up enough that I bought it all. Right. I wonder if That's they all. if they did it the way that we just proposed with her having like kitchen experience would have been like too on the nose. That like this movie is like too much about like kitchen staff. I think it would have been too much about kitchens yeah. and less about just general struggles and like mm-hmm. what you like and your passions. But 
if they wanted to do this part, I think it needs to be more tied to food. Right. Because why the fuck? Okay, he made a cheeseburger once and someone took a picture. It's a lot to go on to like rest your life on convincing him to make you a cheeseburger will like turn on his internal passion and let you out. Well, and there wasn't even like a stutter step of it. You know what I mean? There wasn't a moment of doubt for her where she was like, oh, shit, this isn't going to work. Right. I will say, though, like it's, you know, the whole thing, you know, unlocking a core memory and everything. Um, But yeah, it's right. Are we in a Pixar movie? (laughs) No, I don't know. I think it's cool that to see villains with some him being vulnerable for something but yeah i just it just didn't feel super we already saw him sorry oh i was just gonna say it just didn't feel earned yeah like we saw him be vulnerable when he got stabbed in the leg by his like employee that he tried to molest yeah (laughs) right like that was we saw him get a little bit owned we saw him get taken down a peg and take it and so when margo challenges him and he's just like Oh yes, mommy. I would love to make you happy. Like I, it just it I it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't earned. Yeah, um, it's very much like the the Mrs. Voorhees sweater in uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Um, it's very much what it's like. But yeah, so I feel like there's a lot that you could really d- dig into with this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I just find it so thought provoking, and there's so many things to take away from this. Oh, and we could probably endlessly pull on strings for hours and like tease them out and say like is it this is it is it doing this is it trying to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> um which i love like that's there's a <laughs> there's a lot of meat on these bones <laughs> <laughs> oh well done I can't um, <laughs> let's you want to move on to the cabin in the woods trinket segment yeah So before we wrap things up for today, let's discuss the cabin in the woods trinket segment. This is where that this is the part of the show where we will discuss what is a good movie prop or item that we would put in the basement of the cabin in the woods to summon Chef Slowwick. Um, I feel like there's a I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things from this. There's a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with tortillas. <laughs> mm, nice. Yes. I'm trying to think what would be printed on them, though. Like, would it be like a self-portrait or just like a deep, dark secret that you would only get that's like printed on there? Maybe it's like an empty dining room. Ooh. Or even creepier, because you're in the basement when you find these. It's showing you like a live picture of like the kitchen and someone that you don't oh. know is up there. Oh. oh. <laughs> that's that's the movie that's it <laughs> i can't wait until you make your movie and there's like interactive tortillas as part of the horror <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it yes yes haunted tortillas that's what i'm putting down in the in the basement uh what do you have orally <laughs> that's good um this is really hard but i think Oh, I think I would go with the picture of Chef, which is maybe a little obvious, except it's kind of like picture of Dorian Gray because he's like young and you'd be summoning um, this like old bitter Mm. villain version of him. So it's kind of like you wouldn't know what you're getting. Uh, Extra creepy just to have like a smiling picture in our cabin basement. 
It's very mm-hmm. ominous. Yeah, it's also kind of like, what is he smiling at, you know? Yeah. What's going to happen? What's going to come out of this picture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I was also thinking about the <laughs> the the barrel that uh, Elsa has oh, to yeah. Elsa has to go retrieve that she didn't know about. It's kind of like I don't know. I just kind of find that I find that fitting because it's kind of like that object of like has that always been there kind of thing. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I would say is the the key to the boat. Oh, okay. At the end. I think. Ooh, what what about uh, the ham radio? And when it, we, oh, you think yeah. you're calling for help, but it brings um, it brings like the chef or like the the cop with the fake gun. Oh my god! Okay, can I say that was one of my favorite fake outs? I loved it. They did it so well. Mm-hmm. Loved it. So good. Oh, that actor was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the acting. This is so good. Oh god. Um, it really is. Like no complaints about any of the actors. No notes. <laughs> I think I think that's all I have though for for props to put down in the basement the tortillas the barrel and the the ham radio. Oh, the DVD of that terrible movie. The DVD of that. Ter- oh oh, uh, Doctor Sunshine. Uh, John Leguizamo's movie. Yes, Doctor. <laughs> like paging Doctor Sunshine or something like that. Yes, that DVD. <laughs> and that's then when hilarious. you play it, it's like the ring, but John Leguizamo is climbing up. <laughs> Oh my god, um, bone chilling. Yeah, that's the TikTok you should make. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, like, that's all. Yeah, okay, that's all I have too. <laughs> um, well, this has been a very fun conversation discussing the menu with you. Um, you know, there, there's so much to take away from this, and it was it. It definitely fits in with my my rubric. It's rewatchable. I had a lot of fun revisiting it i got more stuff from it um also the the pacing just felt different too just because like because like when we got to the part where the politician's finger got chopped off i was like oh my god i'm already here like i didn't it didn't register that that happened so it didn't register with me that that happened so quickly after julian uh, uh, sorry not julian jeremy committed suicide um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's fun movie uh definitely i feel like people should definitely check it out uh watch it again it's on hbo max um yeah orly yeah. thank I mean, you it for hits my points too yeah like <laughs> i i could conceivably end up here it didn't make me roll my eyes at most of the tropes mm-hmm. <laughs> and how they use them um and yeah the pacing was good it kept me interested the whole time yeah absolutely and it's so, such a pretty movie like the the set design's so nice and apparently the chef, uh, Chef Dominique Crenn, who is the consultant on this, she's apparently building her own restaurant that's going to look like this. I have to go. <laughs> I have to go. I will. Oh, my goodness. Well, besides in creepy, <laughs> murdersome restaurants, where can people find you, Orlean? So they can always find me on Instagram and Twitter at Spooky Orlean. 
and they should listen to my podcast where I talk about weird books and I mean maybe come fight me about my opinions yes and the name of that podcast <laughs> is Spooky and Strange so everybody please yes, be sure <laughs> to go check that out there are links in the show notes um, thank you everybody for listening you can follow me on Twitter Instagram at Brucker Horror and also Brucker Horror on TikTok but I don't know how active it's going to be Ooh, to be honest TikTok. and um, come over to the Discord uh, we've all been chatting over there about the episodes and just what all we've been watching and fun merch people have gotten i want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons uh uh jay sure james and tiffany you guys are awesome and again if i can figure out how to video edit this will be up on patreon <laughs> but um thank you everybody for listening please be sure to spread the word and be sure to watch some good movies we'll see you next time goodbye <laughs> Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Autopsy of a Horror Movie. It means so much to us that you choose us to listen to out of all the other podcasts that are out there. If you could please help us grow by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Brooker Horror, retweeting, sharing our episodes, and come check out the Patreon page. This is a passion project, and we dedicate so much time and effort into it, and it means so much to see other people enjoying the show just as much as we enjoy putting our uh, time into it. So over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Horror, you can get bonus episodes, bonus kill grades, commentary tracks, special topics, voting options, and also a private Discord channel that you could be a part of. And if you just want to join the non-private Discord channel, just hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Brucker Horror. I'll be happy to uh, grow that flock. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and please share with friends.